Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I am your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So the topic we're discussing today, the decision we're discussing today is, should I invest in real estate? And uh, full disclosure off the bat, I am not a real estate guy. Um, You know, I, I do business appraisals for a living. Um, and you know, we know our cousins who do real estate appraisals for a living, uh, but the two really don't meet. They're separate. They're related, but very much separate disciplines. And and, and all candor, I'm not even a very good monopoly player. My kids kick my ass all the time and, and really are not very good winners about it either. Um, I did not know my 18 year old could dance so much as to when I land, land on his hotel on, on boardwalk. Which I think is a bad neighborhood, by the way, but whatever. Um, and, and you know, so real estate to me has always had something of a mystique to it. And you almost can't get away from real estate in a certain perspective. You know, I think a lot of, I think particularly in America, a lot of people are enamored of real estate. Of course, our, uh, our president uh, made his fortune. Uh, in real estate before he became a reality TV star and then uh, 45th president of the United States. Um, and, you know, I, I do, you know, hear from time to time from people that have either invested in real estate or they're thinking of investing in real estate. A lot of the work that I do involves the appraisal of what's called a, a, uh, a real estate limited partnership, where uh, which is a vehicle where usually a family, but but often as well, uh, multiple individuals invest in a particular vehicle. That vehicle is a holding entity for real estate. And then um, uh, sometimes that uh, uh, shares in that entity are then gifted or left via estate to future generations. And there are certain tax advantages to doing it that way. As I've said many times in this podcast, I'm not a CPA. I'm not going to opine on what's a good tax thing to do or not, except I think you should pay them. Um, if you owe them, but beyond that, I'm not comfortable offering any advice. Um, and, and we've talked about real estate on this program before. We've had we've had um, people come on and talk about, you know, what does commercial real estate from an operational perspective look like in a coronavirus world, right? I think a lot of us are starting to come to the realization that Real estate's going to be different. I, I really don't know if we're going to need more real estate because we now need to have about 50 feet in between people inside the office or if it's going to be less because nobody's going to come into the office at all because um, we think it's basically a, a virus-driven kill box 
um, or if it's going to be somewhere in between. I, I truly don't know. And if you do know, um, you know, feel free to send us an email and 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 give us your 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 um, your view on that. And then we've also had another podcast which I really enjoyed, where we had an expert come on and talk about whether a business should buy its own real estate. And that's a question I am asked frequently. Um, you know, I've got a business and, uh, you know, in some cases I'm, I'm going to, I want to raise money to buy my own real estate because, you know, even if the business sort of goes kaplooey, at least the real estate asset is there that may, that may appreciate and it sort of sets the floor on, on value. And, and, you know, one of the things we talked about there is, and, and the conclusions that we drew is, you know, unless real, unless you want real estate management to become a, a core part of your business, you know, just, just keep renting. It isn't necessarily all that and a bag of chips. And I imagine right now, if, if you did pull the trigger and bought real estate for your own business and, you know, you may be wondering about that decision, especially if, if you've had to lay people off as uh, uh, many, many companies have do. And as we record this today, the most recent uh, unemployment report shows that we're at 14 and a half percent unemployment, which frankly is better than I thought it would be. Um, so I guess I'm the eternal pessimist. Um, but we're going to look at real estate from a different angle, which is from more of a personal investment perspective. And this is breaking a little bit from tradition in terms of what we normally do on decision vision, because we typically look at a, a flat out hardcore business decision. Um, but, you know, at the same token, owners and executives do have their own portfolios. They are looking at investing in real estate. And quite frankly, you know, as we record this on, uh, on, uh, on May the 8th and, uh, uh, happy VED, VE day, by the way. Um, you know, I think everybody is at least thinking about their portfolio. They're thinking about risk. They're thinking about diversification, you know, just as, just as we went through the, um, uh, the roller coaster ride back in 08 and 09 with our 401ks and our investment portfolios, you know, we're, we're doing that now as well. And maybe the barf bag is even bigger for this ride. It really kind of remains to be seen where we're going to end up. And I think it's natural to kind of think about um, where does, you know, does real estate factor into this, right? Uh, you know, worst comes to worst, at least I, you know, I own something and um, you know, uh, unless you own, uh, beachfront property somewhere in Florida, um, you know, that, that, that land is never going away. So I, I hope you'll find that it's an interesting topic, even though I'm being a little bit indulgent because uh, on the topic. But, you know, if you're an executive, if you're a business owner, you know, you have a portfolio, I think a lot of you are already thinking about this. So as I said, it was not really through any false modesty as a reporting of fact, I am not a real estate guy don't know anything about it. And as you know, as, as is the format for our show, uh, we bring on somebody who actually does know what they're talking about. And joining us today is my friend, Tara Winslow, who is a realtor with Keller Williams. Uh, as a native Atlantan, and believe it or not, they actually do exist. They are not urban legends. She has vast insight into the Atlanta real estate market. Um, she has her practice at Keller Williams Realty Peachtree Road office in Brookhaven, which is about two and a half miles down the street from where I'm recording today. Her office has sold over $1 billion if, every year since 2015 and holds the number one realty company standing in Atlanta. 
Um, she loves being a business owner, which allows her to help make decisions important to her clients. There's that decision connection again. Tara is committed to her clients, values long-term relationships, and strives to exceed expectations. She has a deep understanding of the real estate process and knows what it takes to get her clients into the home of their dreams. Tara takes pride in her business and earns the trust of her clients who call on her for advice. And she and I met originally about two years ago. And um, uh, I'm normally a very hard person to get along with, but I have to tell you, I took an instant liking to Tara. Um, which is which is rare. I normally take an instant disliking to most people. So it is a delight and a privilege to have her on the program. Tara, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it and thankful that you invited me as a guest. So I guess, you know, before we get before we get started, I mean, how how are you holding up sort of sort of living in a slow moving bee horror show? <laughs> well, you know real estate um, is still moving pretty quickly. So um, contrary to what you might see on in the news, we are still doing business. Buyers and sellers, investors are out there every day seeing property. So things are going really great. And, you know, we're just balancing working from home like everybody else and having kids at home and and doing the best that we can in, in both areas. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that real estate is still moving. Our, um just about the time when uh, my community of Shamley, Georgia, decided to go in lockdown, pretty much following the rest of DeKalb County, mm-hmm. um, you know, our neighbors um, put their house up for sale. And my wife and I kind of looked at each other and said, really? Right? I'm, not, you know, I'm not sure this is the time when people are necessarily buying. And true to my preamble here that I know nothing about real estate, right? the darn thing is sold within three days. And had sold for a price that I was jumping for joy because our house is much larger than theirs. So um, we're, we're doing all right. But if you're a tax assessor for DeKalb County, I didn't mean any of that. Um, so uh, clearly, you know, it's uh, the, there's 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 still a market out there. And uh, you know, now that you mention that, let, let's get into. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go off script right away because I know you can catch up to a curveball. So. Um, why, why is it, why is a lot of the rest of the world sort of freezing in place day the world stood still and real estate is chugging along? Why did that house next to us sell for, you know, a pretty, a pretty good sum? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And, um, just to let you know, I've been tracking the statistics, which I'm a very fact-based realtor. And I've been tracking the statistics since March 22nd. So looking at the new listings that went on the market in Metro Atlanta yesterday within a 24-hour period, you're looking at 525 homes or sellers deciding to put their house on the market yesterday. And um, for some reason, people are still continuing to transition. You know, those transitions in life continue. You're still getting married. Some now virtually online, many people are doing that. Divorces, um, children, you're having more children. And while we're sitting at home quarantining, I mean, how many Facebook posts have you seen about people wishing they had a pool or wishing they had that office or wishing they had a basement to send their kids down there, (laughs) you know? So people's minds are really churning over real estate and it continues. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm I'm curious too because one of the things that I've observed in the real estate market, in particular on residential, 
is historically there's been a lack of properties for sale, right? That, that's been a big issue holding up the market and, a, and particularly starter properties. Yes. Now, I kind of wonder if, if and, and maybe this is, this is partially profiting off of, the, off of the misfortune of others, but you, you have to talk about the elephant in the room. Is there, is there more inventory now coming into the system because people are having to rethink their own housing because their income situation has changed? Or is it largely driven by what you just said? Is that, man, if I, if, and another day in this 2200 square foot or the 1500 square foot house with my kids, it's going to be this deal where four go out and two come back kind of thing. Yeah, and I th- I think there isn't really a hard black or white answer on this one. Um, yeah. There's still a shortage of inventory. We have a plethora of buyers on the on the sidelines right now, waiting to pull the trigger, and it's happening every day. I have three buyers that went under contract just this week alone. So I don't know if there's like one specific end all be all answer, but we do still have a shortage of inventory, at least speaking from the Atlanta market and the millions of people that are coming into moving into Atlanta over the next couple of years. um, You know, the affordability the home affordability is a a whole different topic. You may want to consider down the road because people are having to move further out on the outskirts of Atlanta to afford a house. Yeah. And, and and again, I promise we'll eventually get to the questions I've asked, but we've jumped into such an interesting topic. I can't, I can't let go of it, you know, and, and that, that whole dynamic of distance sounds like it's going to change, right? Um, fewer people are going to need to commute. Fewer people are going to want to commute, right? Um, I don't know what Atlanta has decided or is deciding, but I have read that other large cities are effectively shutting down their mass transit systems, right? Because that's every bus is going to basically be a COVID incubator on wheels, right? And the same thing for subway, right? So, yeah. so commuting is 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 not going to be realistic, which means that people can perhaps explore moving farther away from the city center than they might have done four months ago. Now, I can see you nodding; nobody else can, but it sounds like there may be something to that. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, look up north in Forsyth County. People are moving in droves in Forsyth County. I had a listing there. We had over 11 showings in two days and multiple contracts. So um, you get a great big house there for a regular size family, finished basement for a great price, and you have some space in the backyard. I think, I mean, it's booming there and they continue to build um, new construction continues all over around Atlanta. So 11 showings in two days. Yeah. And then how long did it take to get a contract in that house? Well, you know, I was the listing agent. I was stalling a little bit because I was waiting to see what kind of offers were going to come in to best represent my seller. We got under contract within 24 hours, but we let it go a little bit longer to maximize my, my seller's return. Good for you and good for and good for your client. Yeah. Um, so okay. So let, let's let's then jump in. I, I, th- I think that's really good, helpful background. Um, you know, and you what, mentioned the commercial market. Yeah. Um, you know, I have friends in commercial real estate, and when you talk about commercial real estate and residential, there's there. Are, there really two different entities going on and what the effects that are happening to both of those are very different. 
And I think you mentioned that in your um, when you began speaking about commercial real estate is really seen. I mean, they're taking a hit right now. Um, so that's I just wanted to um, kind of confirm also what you were saying about that. Yeah, let, let's come back to that because my understanding that that is an important you know distinction. Um, but but before we we get there, let's let's talk about what makes real estate special. You know, I've I've been fortunate. I've I've traveled abroad. I've lived abroad. I've never been any place in the world where real estate sort of have has this romance to it as in the United States. And, you know, it, it still seems to be a notion that you've quote made it right. If you're a real estate owner and do you agree with that observation? And if you do, why do you think that is? Goodness. Um, great question. Um, you know, I think it allows people to think and dream about the life that they want. And I was just talking to a potential client yesterday, and he's looking in a specific area up to 1.6. And you know what he says to me yesterday? He's like, I'm not even going to go up to 1.6. I'm at 1.2, but I can't. I'm just looking at these beautiful homes and thinking about my lifestyle and how that would work. And I think it's really therapeutic. And particularly right now in the world that we live in, um, when you're dealing with challenges, people want to look online and envision their life in a new city or a new country and doing something different. And I think that that's part of the the mystique and the edge that pulls you in. And I also think it releases dopamine in your head when you're doing that, you know, and it stimulates the habit of wanting to go back and get that good feeling. So, um, you know, I'm thinking about looking at, at looking at real estate as, you know, an investment perspective and, you know, owning a physical property as an investor how does somebody like you help help me get started? And is, is that process a little different from the process of trying to find a piece of real estate that I actually plan to live in? Yeah, you know, from an investing standpoint, the end all be all is what you want to achieve. So what is your goal when you're investing? And that's really the big question that needs to be answered up front. And during our consultation together, we really need to ferret out what your end game is. And that's going to take us down different avenues of where you want to go in terms of, do you want to buy, fix, sell? Do you want to buy, fix, hold? Do you want to buy, fix, rent? So what and how long are you going to be doing this? What are you going to be using the funds for down the road? Is it going to be for your kid's college tuition in 15 years if you have a three-year-old? So it's really important to kind of nail down and get clarity around what the end game is. Um, and, you know, is, is all real estate alike? I mean, there, there's real estate that's residential. There's real estate that's commercial. There's real estate that's industrial you know, can, can you lump that all in or do, do each of those have a, like a different market, a different model, and maybe a different suitability from an investment standpoint? Yeah. I mean, for me, you specialize in something. They come to you because you specialize in what you do and you're great at it. And someone who specializes in residential real estate like myself, I don't specialize in commercial real estate and I have plenty of commercial partners 
to refer my clients and friends to, which I do because, you know, I don't think that you can represent someone to the best of your ability if you don't specialize in it. And commercial gets broken out into so many different areas. Are you wanting to purchase land? Are you wanting to purchase a physical entity? Are you wanting to lease office space? So even within commercial, you have, when I talk to my partners, they all specialize in certain areas of commercial. And I think it's important for the person considering one or the other commercial or residential to really make sure you have a specialist in that field. Now, even in residential real estate, there are certain distinctions, right? I understand there's a, there's a distinction, for example, from single family to multifamily mm-hmm. residential as well. Is, mm-hmm. is that distinction important? And by multifamily, I think that means you're buying an apartment building, basically, or a condo building with, with multiple families in it, maybe something else too. Is that an important distinction? I think it is, because if you're buying an apartment building, you're going to be renting it to tenants and you need to have that experience and look at the different rates of return, what your investment is, what are you going to be getting from a rental standpoint? So I I do think that they're very different. And then, you know, single family, then you have condos and townhouses. So you have attached living and you have detached living and then you have HOA, you know, fees, homeowner association fees in some and not in all. So there's a lot of different distinctions going on and you can, you do learn about all these things in your career, you know, over time. So it just depends again, what that person, what your client's wanting to do and what their expectations are. So, um, I think there's a perception that investing in real estate is for big shots, right? You've already got to be sitting on a pile of cash. If I'm going to make a real estate investment again, not my home. We'll, we'll get to the home as an investment in a, uh, in a little while. Um, but, but I think there's a perception, well, I bet I need to be sitting on a pile of cash, a hundred, two hundred million dollars before I even think about undertaking a real estate investment. Is that, is that true? And, and if so, is there a minimum threshold? And, and if not, then, you know, what, what is kind of the financial threshold where somebody can realistically start thinking about about becoming a real estate investor. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that many people make themselves wealthy and they have financial wealth when they invest in real estate. And if you look at some of the big people, for instance, Gary Keller, who is the CEO and founder of, of my company, Keller Williams, he wasn't where he was today when he first invested. And typically it's a lot of people who want to follow a process and a system and make money. And they know that right now they need to be doing a little bit at a time to have this really big portion of real estate and wealth. So do I think that you can invest and you have to be wealthy and have a ton of cash? I think that that's maybe more of a myth understanding than being able to really sit down again and line up where are your avenues to get different things? And maybe you have a private lender or you have someone you can get a loan from. There are a lot of different methods. Maybe you can put something on a credit card temporarily until you get a tenant in there. So you don't need a big down payment right now. And lending 
Mike, lending, who you choose as a lender is also very critical. There are a lot of lenders that specifically work with investors that can help you tremendously and offer different packages to you. So again, it's really using a resource and finding that specialist who can open their, you know, their contacts to where you want to go and you help them get there. And it, it can absolutely happen. Well, let, let's talk about that because I think the lending part I mean, I, I don't think you can talk about real estate without talking about the lending environment, right? Because that's typically how these things are are capitalized. Um, are, are, and this is such a multi-dimensional question. We may spend some time on this. I guess first, are, are banks typically real estate investment lenders or is it going to be somebody that's in the non-traditional, non-depository market that typically is going to provide the capital for a real estate investment? Well, when I hear banks, I think of Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase. Is that kind of what, what when you use that word, is that what you're thinking? Well, it, I mean, it could be, but, you know, you and I are both aware there are smaller banks as well. And and community banks can be a little bit more cuddly, a little bit more user-friendly. I think we've For certainly sure. found that through the whole PPP exercise. You know, you're much more likely to successfully secure a loan through a smaller community bank than you were a larger bank. Um, so I'm going to leave deliberately leave that open-ended and maybe your question, maybe your question has two answers, right? Depending on the kind of bank. Agree. Definitely. Um, there are a lot of local lenders here. I have several to suggest to my clients who um, all they do is mortgage lending. So, um, they have different programs, and each lender has a different program or specializes in different programs. And again, it may be that you need to talk to two or three to kind of tell them what your plan is and see if their program fits best for you. But they are lending, and I get updates. We are on calls every week with our lender that is in our office, and they are updating us weekly on the different trends, what they're hearing, what they can still offer. And right now they are offering their pa- all of their packages and offerings are still the same. They have not changed like the traditional bigger banks. They have tightened up their belts. Now that, that's, and I think that's worth underscoring. And that, that's a big difference for those of us who are old enough to remember um, the 08 and 09 recession. Um, that was a balance sheet recession and the banks basically just slammed on the brakes and some of them didn't slam on the brakes quickly enough and they fell over the cliff, right? And so for a while, you just you just could not get a loan, frankly, unless you didn't need one, right? And even then, <laughs> it, was, it was difficult. It seems to me like the, the, that part of it, at least, is a little bit different. The banks are, my own analysis is the banks are in much better shape now than they were 10, 12 years ago, they have just earned a lot of fees by processing this PPP program. So that's helped them capitalize as well. So it does seem like that the banks are more open for business than we might expect. It sounds like you think the same, you see the same thing? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, I totally agree with what you just said. I think that they're ready to do business and um, it's, they're moving as business as usual. And how how are they reacting? And we're we're recording this on on May eighth, and we are in a a very strange economic environment where, uh, frankly, the Federal Reserve is doing things that when I was getting my economics degree said that we were basically going to blow up the planet, and the planet has not blown up yet. 
Um, but we do have interest rates that in some cases are at, are at, at double take lows. Like really it's that, that low, right? I, I did not think I'd ever refinance my mortgage again because I thought I had such a great rate and here, here I am. Um, uh, but that, that's also, I'm, I'm hearing that that's not necessarily kind of uniform and it's, it's kind of bumpy. How is the interest rate environment being reflected in, in banks' willingness and terms of, of lending right now? Well, from a high level, because um, I always lean on my lending partners to really get into the guts of um, the lending piece of it. But from a high level, historically low interest rates is what is continuing to keep people, buyers in the game and ready to go. And um, the forecasting that I've been hearing is that they will continue to stay fairly low, at least through the end of the year, is what I'm hearing from a forecast standpoint, which is great for people to continue to take advantage of these rates. Just think how much equity you already have when you purchase something five, 10 years down the road with this interest rate that you're going to get today. Well, that's right. And, and, and that's the, that's the attractive anytime you can borrow money, right? Um, by simply surviving another month, right? You add value basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I haven't, I haven't exactly done well. And of course it depends on the length of the mortgage too, but you know, if it's, if it's a 15 year mortgage, you're hitting that inflection point pretty quickly yeah. where you're paying more principal rather than interest, right? Mm-hmm. And then every month, it's just survive in advance. Every month you make a payment, you're adding, you know, regardless of what the markets do, almost regardless, you're adding more value. Yeah. And it's if like you rent out your home. Somebody else's money. Yeah. Right. And if you're renting your investment, right? right? And someone's paying your mortgage. So it's kind of a double, you're getting like a double two things for one here. So um, we hear a lot about about the notion that somebody's home is their investment, right? And I, I'm curious. I've been reading a lot, and I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but I, I've read more than I've ever re- recalled reading in my lifetime, where where that the notion of the home being an investment is now being challenged, where where commentators, I, I don't know if they're experts or not. They're published in places that position them as, as experts, but I'm just call them commentators because I can say that safely and factually. Um, where where they're, they're saying, well, you know, you might actually be better off continuing to rent and then, you know, whatever you're saving in terms of home taxes and maintenance and so forth, you know, just invest that in the stock market or invest that in publicly traded real estate holding companies, something like that. Um, I imagine you have a viewpoint on that. I'm sure you've heard that argument before. So let me let me open the microphone here and step back and let you kind of respond to that. There are so many responses in, in your loaded question. You know, um, from a renting perspective, I, I just, I don't see any benefit to a person continuing to rent if you can buy a home Rental rates in Atlanta continue to increase. So you, if you want to live in Midtown and you're paying $2,500 a month in rent for to pay off someone else's investment, it just seems crazy to me to do that. 
why not build your own wealth? You have an opportunity to build your own wealth for you and your family and whoever you want to leave your investments to. So that's one thing that comes to my mind. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned there was a sec, kind of a second piece of what you were asking. Um, it, it, it's, it's about, um, it, it's about whether or not you're simply, you're simply better off, um, you know, there, because yeah. there are there are sort of not, I guess not hidden, but there are ancillary costs to home ownership, right? There's there's taxes, there is you know maintenance and upkeep. Things break, you got to fix, you got to maintain, so forth. And maybe in some cases, you know, you're you're simp- instead of taking on the quote burden of of home ownership, you're better off taking some of that money and simply generating return by investing it in the S and P five hundred. Yeah, and and I'm an investor in the S&P 500, okay? And I I believe in my what I've learned throughout my life is to be diversified in my portfolio. So I do multiple, I'm doing multiple things, and that includes real estate as well. And I think that's one of the best ways to go because you know, look, let's look back 30 days, right? We're in the month of March. People are losing Whatever money that you have invested, that's a lot of money to you. If it's 10,000, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars that you're losing. Now, when you think about real estate, right, you're in a house. And the only way that you really lose this investment is if it burns down and then you have insurance, right? So when you look at something stable and sturdy like that versus kind of the the roller coaster of the market that we're that many of us are, you know, dealing with, including myself. I just don't see how real estate wouldn't be an option for you to add into your portfolio. There's there's the the benefits outweigh the maintenance of buying an HVAC every twenty years for yourself. So, what do you think? I mean, have you have you worked with with home flippers, and and if so, what do you think of flipping as an investment strategy? Well, I think that flipping is a good, a solid investment strategy. Um, I think that the Atlanta market um, to find flipping opportunities for my investors, it's a really tight market, meaning that they want to make a certain amount of money and there's only a certain amount of properties. And we've already talked about shortage, right? The shortage of inventory. So between the shortage of inventory, then all of their costs, their holding costs, the margins are really getting tight for flippers in the marketplace. Can you find them? Yes, you can. And there's a great opportunity. I'd also suggest that instead of maybe flipping, that you are investing and turning it into a rental because rentals are still hugely needed. There's so much demand for a rental home, an Airbnb home. And again, with with a lot of people, there are a lot of people in distress right now with job changes and losses and job reduction, hours and reduction, um, that people are going to be making some changes. And it may be a rental property is more comfortable for them right now. So I would have someone think about it from a little bit different from a longer term strategy than maybe from a flipping perspective today in today's market. So you brought something up and we, we've kind of touched upon this, but I, I want to hit it hard because I think it's a, I think it's a very important point, which is, you know, is, is there a, is there an environment now where maybe bargain hunting 
is is more feasible today than it might have been four to six months ago, right? And you brought up Airbnb, and something I've been reading a lot is uh, is you know that that market is in a lot of trouble, right? Because nobody's traveling, right? Who in their right mind wants to stay in a stranger's house right? for for a lot of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Airbnb just laid off a whole bunch of their staff as well. So, if if you bought a uh, if you bought a property as an investor and you were banking on Airbnb income, um, that's not there anymore, and that may lead to an opportunity that, that where somebody just wants to pull the ripcord and get out and reshuffle the deck. What, what do you think about that? Well, I have a couple of comments. You know, the Airbnb community um, is pivoting and how they're pivoting and it's in the works right now. They're pivoting from a cleanliness standpoint and they're following the guidelines of the CDC um, to get certified cleanliness for their houses. So that's going on right now. Okay, (laughs) that's about all that I have in terms of information on that piece. But um, in terms of rentals, I mean, I think that they're continuing to go up in price. And, you know, that's a tricky question, Mike. Overall, prices are stable. Okay. Overall, we're getting multiple offers and it that the strategy has not changed. If a house is in great condition and it's priced correctly, it's going to have multiple offers. So in terms of that buyer looking for to steal that house, it's really still not going to happen. If you're looking for a house to do work on, that is probably your best investment. You put equity into the home and then either sell it, live in it, or rent it. And that's where you might find a better deal. But it's very, it's um, it's really a needle in a haystack still. So if I'm going to do that, you know, do I need to be a DIY home builder, Bob the Builder kind of junkie where I just know how to fix everything and I'm like my grandfather who can go in and take apart my water boiler so he can replace a $6, a $6 part with nine hours of effort. I mean, do you need to have that kind of building acumen to do that? You know, you know, Pete, buyers are so smart these days, okay? And to put junky work into a house, they see it. So I would hire a professional and I would also hire a professional property management company. Will it eat into some of your profit? Yes. But you're going to get the clientele that you want renting your house if that's, you know, if that's the route that we're talking about going. So do a great job. Hire someone professionally and get the money that way. You're going to net more money when the work is done professionally than someone sees do it yourself. And the inspector goes in there and there's tape around the plumbing, you know? Yeah. Now, is now as as a realtor, and I'm going to come back to that term in a second because that's a question I'm dying to ask. But um, uh, as a realtor, can you sit down and help somebody kind of work through and crunch the numbers as to whether or not that investment property makes sense, right? Because again, no, there's no false modesty here. I'm not a real estate guy, but if I'm myself thinking about, hey, you know, I think I could probably sustain a piece of real estate. The investment thesis makes sense, but you know, I, I'm not even allowed to have power tools. My 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 insurance rider will not allow it because um, that's how incompetent I am. You know, can <laughs> can somebody like you help me work through the numbers of, you know, what is it going to cost to bring a 
to bring a property up to code or make it rentable basically and work through the the numbers to see if it if it's you know more likely than not going to be profitable or do I need to hire another specialist or a CPA or you know something like that yeah i mean we can we can do a zoom call i was going to say sit down for a cup of coffee but yeah let's break out the excel spreadsheet down and dirty put in all the costs Let's see what you're looking at. And are you okay with the outcome and the return on investment? And this would be my discussion I'm having with my client. And if if that's what they're looking for, their rate of return, then great. There, there aren't going to be surprises because we're going to pad in a little of potential surprise or maybe extra holding costs. But it's pretty, that that piece of it's pretty black and white when you're looking at the numbers. So I I, I say that piece is pretty easy to do. Sitting down for coffee sounds so February. Um, <laughs> so I, I have to ask you this totally off script. Yeah. As a realtor um, and, and people who do what you do, are you like total fans of the TV show Modern Family where the main character, Phil Dunphy, is a realtor? I don't watch that show. So I'm, I'm not. Oh. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't you watch a lot of it. TV. Uh, well, yeah, that explains why you're smart. So. Uh, if if you do watch Modern Family, I got to think that the main one of the main characters is is a realtor, and it, it it really spends a lot of time talking about sort of the real estate industry, and and he's really into it. So <laughs> I, I had to take a shot in the dark and see if you're familiar with the show. But um, um, now on on the other side, you know what what are some common mistakes that are made by investors in real estate? Where 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 can you? I mean there are this is not a slam dunk. There is some risk to it. Where is it most likely you can make a mistake that where you really step in it? You know, from an investing standpoint, this is this is the best way I can say it. Don't put lipstick on a pig. Okay. The buyers are too smart. Don't think you can go in there, put in new carpet, new paint, and expect to get top dollar and it's not going to come out in the inspection that you, you know, hit a leak. Just go in there, do the work, get a great reputation because realtors like me are going to come back to you and say, hey, what do you got coming down the pike? I got a buyer ready to go. And you build your reputation like that. You know, I had had an interesting thing happen this week. One of my buyers went with an investor property and um, we had an inspection and small world. This inspection company, it's a small inspection company, about five inspectors. One of their teammates had just inspected this same house three days before and also gave it a bad inspection. So what, what's the likelihood of the same inspection company going to the same house of all the thousands of houses in Atlanta, right? And I'm like, and the inspector said, and they still didn't fix anything that we had recommended from the first inspection. And it's like, so we terminated. And, you know, am I going to go back to that investor? Mm-mm. I know how they work now. So do a good job and, and you're going to get a great reputation and you're going to sell more of your properties. That would be my advice. That's a really interesting answer. I pause because it's totally not what I expected that you would say, which is great. Again, reveals my ignorance. <laughs> real life example, right? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 when I, when I sat down, I wrote the question, I wrote that question from the perspective of, I don't know. You 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 buy the wrong property. You talk yourself into buying something. Yeah, it's pretty generic stuff. It hadn't occurred to me that your behavior as an investor on the exit side is so important, right? And yeah. developing a reputation because 
you know, at least, you know, Atlanta, we, we, we all call it a big, small town and mm-hmm. it really is right. We got 7 million people here, but everybody knows everybody who's worth knowing. That's right. <laughs> you know, let, let's face it. And, That's right. and uh, a bad reputation is very tough to shake mm-hmm. in, in, in this town. Right. Agreed. Uh, and I, but I, I had not thought of, I had not thought of the risk of becoming known as, you know, basically a purveyor of damaged goods. Mm-hmm. Um, and that any seller would, most sellers would want to avoid that reputation, basically, unless you're planning on fleeing the country the next week, right? That's pretty <laughs> and much that's a, not a good business model. <laughs> that, that's, right? that's a, especially now where we're, we're going to go. <laughs> right. um, uh, Mozambique, I think is letting people in, but that's about it. So, um, so, uh, we're running out of time. I want to wrap this up, but, but there's one last question is, you know, I think we would both agree real estate investing is not necessarily for everybody who should not be investing in real estate, right? Is there a, is there an economic profile? Is there a psychological profile? Some of this just, you know, this isn't, this really is not the kind of vehicle that's right for you. You ought to think about doing something else. Well, you know, Gary Keller says, when should you buy? When's the best time to buy real estate? Yesterday, right? So yeah. I'm, of, I'm of the same mindset. I think everyone should invest in real estate. But to answer your question, you know, I do come across certain um, clients who, um, on a scale of one to 10, their risk taking may be a one, which is a low side, and that's fine. And if that's the where it is, I would recommend it's investing may not be uh there may be other ways we can handle real estate and not necessarily invest and rent or flip or one of those options you know that maybe you purchase a duplex and you live in one side of the duplex and then you rent out the other side you know taking baby steps sometimes with a little bit more risk adverse um, personalities i think is um probably the best way to go and uh yeah and, and I'll highlight here just so everybody understands, we, neither of us is offering investing advice. We're just covering a particular asset class, but everybody's risk profile, everybody's return needs, liquidity needs are different. You know, evaluate your own, re- your own investments, whether it's real estate or other, um, uh, taking your own circumstances into account. And, you know, if you don't work with an investment advisor, you know, you probably ought to consider using one. I'm, I'm a big fan of investment advisors because if you don't do this stuff for a living, it can be gobbledygook. And even if you do do it for a living, having somebody that's going to uh, help you will be, uh, will be useful. Tara, this has been a, a great interview and you've shared a bunch of great, a lot of great information for our listeners. How can people contact you for more information? Sure. They can contact me via email at Tara dot winslow at kw.com i have a my website's tara winslow homes.com i'm on instagram as tara winslow homes linkedin facebook anyway uh, my phone number's all on those sites happy to uh, provide a consultation if you just want to pick my brain about real estate well great that's going to wrap it up for today's program i'd like to thank tara winslow keller williams so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast. 